calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. With that touching conclusion, the gutter snipes learn that there isn't always a monster under the bed. Sometimes it's just a very evil bed. Welcome back to EXPN. I'm your host, Warren Rustborough. Give me a freaking break, Dirk. You were just here. Dirk. No hits of Bradley's here. Just I, the good Slamariton. Are you wearing a sock on your head? And a towel cape? What size socks do you wear? Women's medium. I nabbed this one out of Zan Meathead's locker. Gods know what it was doing in there, but I'm happy to have it. Uh, and by I, I mean the good Slamariton. Helping old ladies bag groceries by daylight, throwing bows and stomping toes by nightlight. This has got to be one of the most embarrassing things I've ever witnessed. The Slamariton doesn't do it for you, huh? How about this one? The Spankle Biter. Delivering devastating backstage slaps and taking a bite out of crime. The crime of being foolish enough to face me in the box. Stand up, Rusty. Time to clap them subterranean cheeks. That would be the last mistake you ever make. You call that trash talk? I've had worse trash for breakfast. Recently. Dirk, would you mind explaining what this new obnoxious vacation from responsibility and respect is all about? Just trying out a few Dysonas for my new hosting gig. What kind of costume are you going to wear? Take my advice. If you're going to cut holes in a duffel bag to make a cool mask, be sure to air out all the farts first. Dirk, you understand the announcers for DICE don't put on the facade of phony warriors, right? That degrading honor is reserved for the participants. The announcers are just guys with microphones. What? No make-em-ups? No dress-em-ups? Just talk-em-ups? Bingo. Ah, Franks. There goes approximately 28% of my enthusiasm for this new gig. Way to put me down like a crazy dog-bit dog. Hmm. You know, I hear the announcers for DICE get unlimited nachos from the concession stand. Unlimited nachos? Sweet behemoths! I'm gonna crunch-dunk so many of these cheese-wetted triangles my gums will bleed. Enthusiasm back to an even 130. Well, that was easy. crew of the Astrofortis managed to narrowly escape destruction at the hands of the Leviathan. And yet, their captain insists that they have taken a hit and must go down to error for repairs. 
Ooh. As soon as Wuxia hears that we're going down, he's gonna start to panic because that means something different on water than it does on sky air. <laughs> we got any life rafts? Hold order! Hold anything that floats! Take it easy, son. We know what we're doing. All right. Did the engines take a hit? There was a hit to the stern, but nothing significant. This seems like an unwarranted stop, Captain. Keep your opinions to yourself. How's the crew reacting to this? They seem to be behaving as though this is business as usual. Okay. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Wusha's still going to cling to something. You should chat up your jar, see what it thinks about all this. (laughs) As the ship descends past the cloud line, you all start to get an idea of what part of the error continuum you're over. This is considerably farther than you've ever been. And yet, it all looks vaguely familiar, not too dissimilar from where you were at the old homestead. The main difference being that this is a very rocky territory. There is a village not far from where you seem to be landing. The area surrounding it is rocky farmland, with a few ranches tending large creatures that look at first glance to be some kind of rhinoceros, but instead of their normal faces, their heads seem to taper down to a narrow snout, and their rumps are widely disproportionately large compared to their abdomens. As you settle into a landing position, the ship has to actively engage its downward thrust in order to hold itself in position because there are no docking rings, which means they are actively burning residuum in order to remain. The crew all seems to just go about their business as though there's nothing wrong, repairing what little damage they have sustained, having simple conversations, and waiting for the captain's orders. Can I kind of collect our crew and get us off to like a corner? Sure. Like a fallow crown huddle minus Gaspar. <laughs> <clears throat> What do you think we should all be preparing for? This seems very planned and yet random. All of you suddenly hear a whine like a mosquito. You're not sure where it's coming from. Gaspar, your sound systems are working just fine. I think since we're supposed to be carrying, uh, what's it, salvage? Um, they might be here finding a buyer. Do we think that they're smuggling things from air? I think that might be here to pass off some Leviathan parts. Did I get any kind of idea what was in the crates that I was offloading when I was offloading them? You saw a lot of different things, but nothing that made you think error. Okay. And nothing that you thought error would want. Okay. When we were heading out, they were leaving with a mostly empty... They, they looked like they were doing a delivery or they were going to pick up. The How much cargo they have would dictate that. And none of the stuff in the crates that I unloaded seemed to be error-related. I don't think anything that they would want down here, and I don't certainly don't think anything that came from here. Regardless, this is huge. We should probably stop talking pretty soon. It's going to look real suspicious. I take out a set of dice and roll it on the ground like we're all huddled together playing. <laughs> That's better than what I was going to do. I was going to tell one of you to stop pissing. And as he's saying that, you feel a large hand clasp on your shoulder. I'm pissing. <laughs> You're all right, son. I'm going to need you four to come with me. Hi, Captain. Hi, Captain. Yahtzee. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the port side, and they lower the gangplank. From there, you step down onto error proper. 
he leads the way towards the village that you saw earlier. As you get closer, mingled in with the miasms of animal waste and byproduct are powerful whiffs of camphor, creosote, and cracked grain, strong smells of hard work and harder lands. As you get closer to some of the villages themselves, the buildings seem to be made of a complex kind of mud system, not unlike an adobe, but at closer look, you realize that the outside has an almost porcelain-like sheen. You imagine, given the small size of the outer structures, that they must have sunken structures inside. Hmm. Hey, where, where are we off to, Captain? You're going to stop with the voices. I know who you are. What? I'm good old Banderwagon. <laughs> well, then I'm speaking to the wrong person, then, aren't I? Look to Wusha. Shrug. Oh, I mean, this voice has been wearing my throat out. I'll happily return to normal. You're good kids. I appreciate you doing this. Mind you, I wasn't expecting to have to do this so soon. But events force my hand. I suppose I will deal with them as they come. I would like to put on my father's spectacles and roll an insight on the captain. I love that. Please do. How did I... I've got too many dice. Oh, that's better. So the glasses give me advantage, so that makes that a 24. Ooh. The first thing you notice is a kind of sorrow, but more accurately, grief. A sense of guilt, responsibility, but more importantly, a person who genuinely wants to do the right thing. Hmm. He seemed to drop a facade of indifference and kind of become more familiar. Does he seem at all like... Like, he knows us better than we... He doesn't seem to know you, but he knows who you are. You'll recall that Rain had mentioned that he reached out to them, mm-hmm. saying that he wanted some coverage. Sure. It, yeah, it all seemed kind of fishy from the get-go, but now we've, we've learned that he done knew. Is it only the captain of the ship crew with us? Yes. You've actually made it some distance away now, and you suspect that there would be no way for crew to listen in. Gaspar, if you would like to land, you're more than welcome to. What are the... More furtive spots that I can land my ship in. There are copses of trees and things like that. There's not a lot of great environments, though you do spot a few uh, craggy, rocky areas that look almost like they were once canyons or box canyons that have caved in. You imagine you could probably land in those with a little bit of care. Yeah, let's go with that so I don't leave like an imprint in the grass. I like that. Go ahead and roll me a dexterity check. Unless you have a vehicle check. I do not have a vehicle check. Okay. But that's a 15. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's not super difficult. You do find yourself battering the ship just a little bit as you come down to a landing, but you're safely nestled into a out-of-the-way hole. Does the miasma have an autopilot invisibility? (laughs) So it'll just keep invisibilitying itself? You could just activate invisibility and leave it there for a while. Oh, yeah, I assumed I'd done that since I never turned it off. Yeah, that's totally fair. It takes a little bit for him to catch up with you because he's going to have to full sprint to catch up, but he does. And uh, you hear a rustling as you see your headless friend running up to you. (laughs) Oh, Gasper, you missed my ship tour. Did you get a good look at anything while you were up there? Not much other than that this village is a bit odd. And yes, I overheard your ship tour. It was very informative. Your new head must have really good ears. This isn't the same sun sloop that they gave us last time. This cost a lot more money. I'm, I'm quite impressed with it. If it goes missing, 
point at everybody's eyes. Specifically, point at empty sockets <laughs> where empty there socket is no head. Yeah. If it goes missing, it would be a great loss to the commissioner. Points at crotch level. Points. At <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems there's no need for false pretenses with the captain here. He's been aware all along. Indeed. I requested that Rain send Wusha and his people. They are my people. You'll find out soon enough. I'm going to go ahead and take my ring off once we're out of visual range of the ship, just because I feel like if we're meeting with humanoids, uh, Shark Man is probably more terrifying than a Angel Man. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. As you start to get closer, you realize there is absolutely no one anywhere near this village. You cannot see a single person. Ahead, there is a cluster of buildings, especially larger buildings, and it looks like the village center. Once that comes into sight, Harcourt holds up his hand. You all should go ahead. I'll be soon behind. I'm going to cast Shield of Faith on myself before I walk into the middle of this area. Fair enough. I'm going to flip my eye patch up. (laughs) Pen removes her ring and puts it in her pocket. I'm glad you're all prepared. Though I don't think you'll find any problems here. That's for sure. Well, unless you start them. Uh, We found the opposite to be frequently true in error. Not that we've ever been down here either. You go ahead. It's best we don't be assumed to be together. We shall walk on forward. Oi, Captain. <laughs> After a few steps, Gaspar is going to lean over to the rest of the group. I don't like it when people tell me that they're going to show me the problem and not tell me about it. Yes, I feel a bit like more of a hostage than a crewman at this point. Yeah, this whole thing is fishier than my disguise was. <laughs> I'm just treading up with the group slowly, but I want to like really keep my eyes out of the buildings and things. You definitely see that the place is lived in. And recently there's footprints about, there's some sign of life, but you can't see any bodies wandering the village. There's no one in the fields. There's no one tending to the animals. There's just nobody here. So either they're all invisible or something's gone wrong. Or they're waiting for us to sing Wish I was going to take a big <gasps> deep breath of air in. Yeah, let's remain stealthy, I think. All right. At least not obscenely obvious. That's fair. Now that you're closer and can see these buildings with a little bit more accuracy, you're noticing that they do seem, in fact, to almost be like ceramic, uh, like china with an enameling on the outside. There doesn't seem to be a lot of art or decoration in the area that you can see, but there's an incredible attention to detail in all craftsmanship. Hal's not the brightest tool in the shed, but if we're anywhere near a building, can I look at it and see if this like ceramic texture is like intentional or if these were clay buildings that somehow got glazed by like a firestorm? You walk up to it, you tap on it a little bit. From what you can tell, this isn't an accidental trait. It looks like everything is perfectly smoothed and rounded. And you also start to notice that there is some uh, quite a bit of damage. You'll notice that there's some scratching uh, and some marring throughout the area, but it looks like it's well-kept and well-cleaned. How beautiful. I've never seen any other buildings like this before. Do we think that the people of this village fled or were taken or are hiding? Maybe it's just a bunch of summer homes. A resonant, melodious clarion calls your attention to a large structure at the center of town. It brings to mind images of churches, with a steeple 
at its center. In the top of that steeple is a large glass bell, the source of the sound. Yet it is below the belfry that your attention fixates, for carved into the tower itself is a symbol which sends a chill down your spine. The cross and chevrons seen on the blade which nearly slew Penelope Farthing. Oh! Uh, Sorry. Bad memories. That is a grim omen. What's it mean? Death. Oh, fuck. I think it means more than that, but certainly associated with it. Well, death's all well and good, but who the hell's ringing that bell? Almost as if on cue, the church doors swing wide as the parishioners begin to return to their labors. The populace is unlike any race you're familiar with, though that in itself is familiar on error. Their skin is rubbery, with a milky, almost translucent quality, not unlike their buildings. Their eyes are pure black and set deep in their skulls. They are largely hairless, though some have collections of tentacles not unlike dreadlocks coming from their heads or their chin and jaw. They are dressed in simple white, gray, and brown flax, something that has been farmed in this area quite abundantly. There's little in the way of decoration around them, much like their homes. No jewelry or adornments. Instead, just simple peasant wear. Wusha. Oi. This is very important. Oi. If you see any weapons with that symbol on them, don't let them touch you. I bet you less will touch me than I'll touch you. Not now, Wusha. Oh, all right. It's time to be serious. In the past when we were on era, it was very important that we had a mantra. Let's not lean on that right away. The symbol might be dangerous. A pair of twins, male, you assume, with matching blue freckles, approach you enthusiastically, almost sprinting with smiles on their faces. Turn to face them, so it's acknowledged that we're aware of them and we're trying to be polite. Can I make a perception check to see if they have any weapons? Please do. If they came from the direction of the building with that symbol, Penn can't help but glare a little bit at them. That's fair. I rolled a one. Ooh! I rolled a one. Your first instinct is not only must they have weapons because they're coming at you with teeth bared like wild animals, but they're also running away from their pack, almost like they're making to flank you on either side. Wusha is not going to reach for his spear, but he's going to step back and put the kickaxe behind him to get a get room for a good pendulous swing should he need it. Uh, well met. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Peace through faith and reason. You have a lovely village. I know. Isn't it great? Never seen any kind of architecture like this before. I ain't seen none like you neither. It's been a long time since we had a sign. That's not true. We got a sign inside. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, what is this place called? Oras? I don't think we have a name. I mean, well, I, I like collective. Collective's better than village, eh? Collective. Hey. We skeptics collective. Interesting title. Oh, hey. So what are you doing here? You going to trade? I've surely got things to trade with you. Uh, no trading yet. Perhaps later. We're more curious in learning about this place. Why can't it? What are you looking for? Just to meet the locals and see the sights and... Well, we're locals. We can show you around. That would be lovely. I say looking back towards where the captain was standing. A woman walks up to you. Clother, Clovich, go back to your father. Mind your da. Oh, but come on. It's new folk. Ah, no. You'll see them soon enough. Off you go. The woman who is standing before you has a mohawk of tentacles 
all banded with brass cuffs down her back. She's wearing long robes, and at her chest is the symbol that you see on the church. Can Wuxia look at her and see if she has any weapons? She does. At her side is what looks like a shillelagh with a, with a sharp point on the end. And then on the other side is what looks like a very ornately, beautifully carved ceramic dagger. Wuxia is going to definitely be on the balls of his feet, uh, foot, as he fully expects at any point in time these apparently incredibly dangerous people are going to lash out and start shit. That's fair. Pen is going to place her hand on Wusha's arm to kind of calm him down. So, Skeptics Collective, is that the name of your church? Well, as you can imagine, I'd rather have your name before I give you the name of our town or my church, if you don't mind. Uh, no, not at all. Uh... Understanding, of course, that here in Era, it's not uncommon for folk to get a little bit um, excited about new people. I would like to observe the old courtesies. Peace through faith and reason. Uh, blessed in your continuance. She looks curious for a second. Eh? We've traveled far. So I can see. We've none like you. Nor us you. Uh, my name is Iavos. Shefath? And uh, is this your church? At this? This is my people. Well, I say it's my church, but in fact I serve at the... Pleasure and behest of my wife, the Madra. She's the town skeptic. I'm the Gnostic. Pen. Aye, well met, Pen. Same to you. I'm going to lean over to Pen and as quiet as I can. We're supposed to be given real names. I can't imagine it will hurt anything. All right. Woosha. Oh, light of the water. Oi. Why do you look at me, sir? Uh, you, um, uh, bird, fish, in early, bad, mm. not good. I'm going to pat my stomach. We're few with our wildlife, especially as it's concerned to water life. You must have come far and had fish for a long time. Eating after that much time can't have begun for you. Here, have this. She reaches into a small pouch and brings out what looks like a odd herb medicine ball, vaguely squishy and uh, plant-like. I'll grab it. She's right, Wusha. Any fish that have been out of the sea for that long would go bad. O- old fish. Hey, I understand. Uh, sometimes when you've been traveling that long, it's not uncommon for you to get hungry and not have any options. I mean, you're in the pretty rough area. R- right. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yes. There's a reason we tend to the Ovorn. They're one of the few things that can eat the blade grass. Are those the butt kettle? Aye, the Ovorn. Beautiful creatures once you tame them. I mean, I say tame, but they don't really tame so much as they get. I don't know, coma? Give them enough food and they start to stop hurting things. Like a cat? <laughs> Not so much like a dog. Or, I suppose. Hmm. Anyway. I used to like cats. <laughs> what brings you here? Oh, actually, sorry, I, you have others. I tend to get distracted a bit. I'm neither skeptic, you understand. You may call me Gaspar. I see. Are you from the Bastion? A little further. Indeed. We, we don't have many races out here. You don't have many? Nay. Yeah. That means you've had a few. Many seasons ago. 
We took one of our signs. We had too many. You understand? I'm sorry you understand. Oh. As long as you understand as well. She nod. And that's one. He looks good on a farm. Um hell. He's really not that good on a farm. <laughs> Stay bad. Nice to meet you, Al. All of you, very pleasant to meet you. Sure. Right. When I look back to see if the captain was still there, is he still watching or is you he... You do not see him. Perfect, wonderful, good. So, uh, we travel and learn. That is what we do. We have one like you already. Oh? Oh, I, I'm sure you'll love to meet him. See, I'm Nissan. I just do as I will. Did we find any kind of, like, name for, like... The affiliation or group they for They said it? it looks like the symbol for the All-Church, but right. something's wrong. Like a corrupted it. symbol of the All-Church. Exactly. You'll recall the symbol of the All-Church looks like this. A cross with an upward chevron. Mm-hmm. The symbol that you see here looks like this. A cross with two chevrons overlapping. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm going to gently grip the palm of my hand and everyone feels just like a slight grip just to know, like, maybe get ready for whatever happens. So tell me, uh, what do you teach at your church? Oh, su- I mean, can't say I'm surprised that you don't know it. The old church, well, they do what they do. Uh, I have heard of the old church, yes. Uh, that looks a little different, though. Oh, I, me, I'm not the best to tell you about this. It is, is my way, but I am, I'm the scion. Uh, perhaps you should speak with cartographer. The cartographer? Would you join us in this? Oh, not I. No, I. No, not among scions. But please, with me. Are you not allowed among other scions? She's not right. I don't know where you come from, but for non-scions that aren't a part of the, the I suppose, flock that participate in such important plavers, it's not my way. But I can, I can, I can get you there. Lead us to the information, I suppose. She continues walking towards the church, and as she does, someone comes out. He has the look of a scion just to see him. He's not unlike most humans you've seen, though there's something about him that radiates a kind of divine energy. The kind that they seem to think you have. Clad in worn and supple leathers, this man has the charm of youth in his honey-brown eyes, yet lines creep in in the corners. Those at his brow bespeak hard thought. Those at his mouth tell of joy and sorrow both. Tight black curls, heavily salted spring and bounce about his cheeks. His skin, the color of chestnut shells, has grown ashen gray at the joints, elbows, and along the tops of his arms from long travel. All about him is the smell of old books, fresh cut green vetiver drying in the hot sun. His travel gear, which he has only just hoisted onto his back, is bundled at the base of his considerable pack, making up only a fraction of his actual burden. The rest is books lashed together in columns with leather belts, and scrolls likewise bundled together at the top. Mm. My dude. <laughs> I was going to say, friend of yours. <laughs> I was going to say, which one is the real Iavos? <laughs> Look, all of my dozens and dozens of books fit in one. <laughs> I travel light. Uh, well met, Sion. It looks at you a little apprehensively. He seems to be waiting for you to say something else. In your continuance. He seems to register that. A student of the land is never lost. As he says this, he holds his hand in front of him, almost like he's looking at a compass. Is there a spell happening here? No. It seems to just be a greeting. Just a gesture, gotcha. 
I am come in search of tales and trails, my kindred. How do you? Uh, very similarly, uh, seeking knowledge, new things. That is the way of science, yes? Unless you find a home, which I have not. In uh, collecting important allies along the way. <laughs> no allies for me, I suppose. But you have many, I see. It strengthens me in my gifts. I am the cartographer. Medevac, though I prefer the cartographer. It's more impressive, I think. Uh, the idea of a cartographer in this place at all is quite impressive. Isn't it just? Seems every time we travel great distances and ask for directions, things get less and less clear where we're going. That is understandable. For me personally, I think it is an easy enough thing to find. See, I know the ways. And after all, a student of the land is never lost. All he does is extra field work. Hmm. Do you know your way around most of error? <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Fair enough. I like to think I know it enough. And I also know what patterns to look for. Patterns, yes, that makes sense. It's very fascinating to me because the more I do my research, the more I realize that everything seems to fall into patterns. It's almost like habits. The area, the land seems to fall into uh, well-worn paths. Uh, I, I learned this as I start to spend more time around people who understand these things better than me. Uh, you, you don't understand I'm not a, a faithful man, uh, at least not insofar as I am beyond a scion. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> no, I'm fascinated by your interpretation of what you've seen and done. Like a quilt. Yes, is one way to think about it. One thing I think about it is like a river. A river flows, and it starts off small, but over time it tends to build up and build up and build up and carve deeper grooves. Now if any new water comes, it wants to go down those grooves. I feel like where we are here, it is the more worn path that attracts and accumulates everything around it. If this land is the river, then wherein is the sea? Usha puts his hand up. <laughs> he taps his head, holds up that, the invisible compass again. That is what I see. See, I believe that maybe, just maybe, it is the Aether Wastes. I want to go there. I know that a lot of people do not come back. Most do not come back. But eventually, I imagine I will find myself there. How will lean over to Iavos. Uh, Iavos, is the, is the Aether Wastes, was that far away from the Spire? Or was that close to the Spire? Because I know you're not supposed to get too close or too far. That's true. Uh, far out. I can feel this one if you want. Oh, please. Uh, the Aether Waste, you have to understand where we are now is all very real. Everything is solid. But the farther you get out, the less solid things become. Yeah, at time, everything starts to get a little bit mixed up, especially when you get farther and farther out. The hardest part is when you start to crest the Far Horizon. The Far Horizon is when you start to move into the Aether Wastes. And once you are there, the ability to actually process what is going on starts to slip away. This is the farthest I've ever been from the sinner. And it is a far place to come. You've accomplished a lot. He's, uh... Why you people look so wiggly? Who's wiggly? The, the, the people what live here. Oh, these the, folk. Kind of oh. wiggly. They, you said things get less solid. Not just tracked for me. I take it he is new to your crew. Yes, actually, the newest. Hello. I see. No, that's just something that happens. Oh, okay. He finds things very literal, the most logical. Tentacles, wiggly. Uh, if I wasn't on business, I would ask to travel with you to the Aether Waste. And I would be happy for the company, though I find it uh, personally, the ways are more willing to show themselves if I don't have anybody watching over my shoulder. That makes sense. They are shy things. Is that what brings you here specifically? Your travels to the Aether Wastes? What brings me here is largely looking for food. 
I just want to eat. But uh, I've actually come through here a few times. When I come to a new area, especially a large population center, I like to spread out a little bit, understand what's going on, find the places where I can go and spend time with new people, hoping that maybe there are other populations nearby, maybe they have some maps. Unfortunately, this place is pretty desolate. I'm going to hand him the weird squishy ball the person handed me earlier. I think that's food. Oh, that is not food. Do you want it? That's to stabilize your gut. All right. Fine, I'll keep it. Uh, tell me, what have you learned of this church in your travels here? Oh, <laughs> this church. If we can call it that. Oh, it is a church. One of the few left. You know, in our travels, we've learned what we could of the old church. So, everywhere as it is. Uh, but this symbol looks different. We haven't seen this one before. Similar, but twisted somehow. It is funny you should call it twisted. You see, mine is a way not far from these. He points to the rest of the villagers in the area, who all seem to be paying rapt attention, though it are distant enough removed that they're not picking up what you're saying. See, I learned of a skeptic a long time ago in my travels. See, I, it's a figure long lost to history. Once an essential part of the old church, now burned from text and tale with little left, save with those whose memories are longer than the knives of the old church. Then the role of a skeptic is to question the church. Apparently. You see, uh, the stories are vague. It's hard to track. But in the end, it wasn't always the Gnostic, the high Gnostic of the old church, who speaks with the faith of I am and Adonai. Instead, there was the skeptic, who spoke with the voice of the earth and the people. The intent was to keep a balance between the two, and unfortunately, over time, the Gnostic sees more power than he should, and Adonai lost the ability to control it. And now, the old church... They do what they will do, and there is not much we can do about it. The skeptics have been burned from the land, but this far out, the old church has little power. So this symbol isn't a new thing, it's an old thing. One of the oldest. Are you familiar with Adonai and I am? We've heard tales, yes. You see. They believe that in time, all science become one. That is the belief of the old church. They think that all of us will become one thing in the end, and that together... As one entity, I am God, true God, a word that nobody speaks anymore. But this true God would be capable of fixing all of this. And he gestures to the world. Mm, yes, we've heard they're quite perhaps eager to see this happen. Yes. The skeptic, on the other hand, does not know for certain. That is the point of the skeptic. But this symbol, he gestures to the church, this is not a symbol of answers. It is a symbol of questions. That is why I follow them. So did the did the old church take the extra uh, bit off of this symbol, or did this symbol get an extra bit from the old church? You have to think about it like this. So you see this vertical? He points towards the axis, which you can still see as though it is as close as it was when you were at the other farmstead. That is the axis. You see this horizontal? That is error. This upward chevron signifies faith and how it elevates us. But the downward is to ground us to the earth. Reason and faith. To be completely frank in this matter, recently I was attacked by someone who bore a dagger with this symbol. I'm very sorry. For what reason would they do this? These are no true skeptics. Not really. Or perhaps they believe themselves to be the truest skeptic. 
They are a cult. Nasty people. There is one who lives not far from here. He wanders these areas, almost uh, scouting for old church, seeking to cause them harm. <sighs> he is misguided. He would see the old church burned and their works along with it. Methinks he's come so far west he comes back east. You can? That makes sense to me, actually. No, I'm Wusha. <laughs> he's a funny one. This symbol, then, it seems to have its own sort of power behind it. No. Not truly. No more than any other symbol. You have to understand that all power comes from the science. It comes from the people we serve. It comes from our work together as individuals. The symbols mean nothing. Certainly, but it is a conduit with which one could channel energy into something. No. 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 Interesting. You are you are sighing yourself, no? I did not know that at one time, but I know it as a fact now. He looks shocked at this. What voice do you hear? I am following a voice. Who's? This is my family. Oh. Strange. All science, then. I couldn't say. I will know when I find them, but that is my job. That is my mission. Mine is the voice of the cartographer. Mine is the voice of the cartographer. That is how I adopt this name. This is very strange, what you said a moment ago. Hmm? That symbols have no power. No. This, a symbol is a concept, and concepts are... Uh, concepts carry power, fundamentally. <laughs> if you want to get into pedantry, yeah, yes, of course. So symbols have power. I write a word down and people read the word, and that means I convey the idea from my head to your head. Yes, there's power there. But to say that this has magical power that is not existent, all power comes from the science. Simply drawing it, of course, wouldn't create that sort of thing. But Correct. in my studies, we learn many ways of scribing magic, using runes. The old magic? I don't know. I did not choose it. It just simply came to me. So if I do, like so, he touches the ground, and as he does, you notice that immediately dozens of lines shoot off in all directions, some of them pulsating with different colors, some of them shifting and changing. And almost like uh, arteries swelling with a heartbeat. Then they begin to die down and disappear. You see, I do not write anything for this. You say you do written magic? It is one of the kinds I do. Where do you learn this? My sister. I would know more about this sister. As would I. I seek her, but she is lost to me. Have you ever heard of a place called the Withering Acre? This is not a name that is familiar to me, though it sounds like it has power, as she understands it. That is where I seek. I see. While I tell you I travel to learn things with my allies, that is my destination. That is where my family is, and through them I gain my powers. And the closer I get, the stronger I become. I truly wish I could help you find your way. Let me show you something. We have learned many things in our travels that may seem strange to you, and I hope that isn't upsetting. But... Are you familiar with concepts of creatures that live in multiple worlds at once? There are other worlds? Perhaps. I'm just going to show him the drawing of the knife that I have and some of my notes. Oh, I see. The symbol had a power on this weapon that made someone who should not bleed forever bleed forever. This was not the symbol's doing. The symbol is just a mark that the people who would do harm put on this weapon. I see. I wish I could study it more, but it was taken from me. I wish that this answer did not rob you of your assumptions. It must have been more peaceful to think that perhaps learning this fact would make things fit into place, but I have found that the more I research, 
the less things make sense. Oh, I am not upset by this at all. Learning that the symbol is not tied to the cruelty of this weapon is quite enlightening. <laughs> Do you see cruelty here? He gestures to the village at large. Forgive me. Would you mind entertaining a philosophical question? Of course. These people that you mentioned, the uh, skeptics who are not skeptics, the, the fanatics, hypothetically, if they did discover multiple worlds and people that lived simultaneously in them, from their philosophical perspective, why would they want to harm them? You ask questions to which there are no answers. It's conjecture. Anything I come up with would be uh, too far outside of the realm. I have to assume this, assume that, assume this, assume that. Each of these assumptions makes errors in the actual equation. Uh, Too many variables. But I say there's no reason I could think of why anybody from this world, especially somebody who followed the skeptics way, would do anything to harm another world. The idea, the very notion that there is another world already is such a stressful concept to me because we believe that this is it. This is all. So now you say to me that there might be other worlds out there and that maybe we do not need to save this one. Oh, it was purely hypothetical. Thank you for your answer. You understand, I do know that two and two is four. And you understand now that two now have spoken on this concept. And you are already strange enough to me that the idea that you put forward, I see a pattern here. And as you know, I am good with the patterns. So I have a question to you. He extends his hand, and in it is what looks like a sextant. And he pulls out the other one, and it looks like a compass. And they both begin to shiver with energy. What is your intention here? For if you intend harm, I will not allow you to pass. You're watching EXPN, The Experience. Hello, my darlings. Welcome back to Close to the Hearth. I'm your hearthmaster, Gracie Devine. Now, two of our favorite things to do here on the show is discuss the religious practices of historical cultures and big pies. We're going to be discussing the burial rites of the cliff-bound brotherhood of Phi Alpha Nine. These cunning and long-living folk dwell along the cliff faces of the vast, bottomless canyons of Tiagana, their homeland. When a member of their clan passes away, it is customary for their closest of kin to submerge the body in sacred basins, cut free the flesh of their thighs and sides, and make it into a meal the family shares in their memory. This symbol of life turned into energy is a pillar of the cliff-bound's dogma. So today, we're making a Tiaganian funeral pie. You'll want to start by making my perfect buttercream pie crust, the recipe for which is of course in my cookbook, Gods That Taste Good. Let it get nice and cool so it's good and firm when we utilize it. Next, we're going to get a large cast iron pan on high heat and add in some olive oil and diced onions. I don't care what they say about smoke points, Gracie cooks with olive oil. Now once the onions are nice and brown, you can add your garlic and meat. If you don't have the flesh of a recently departed relative on hand, you can do what I do and substitute beef coulee that I brined in my own sacred basin of apple cider vinegar, brown sugar, fresh citrus, and sea salt. Now we add our seasonings and a handful of wild mushrooms harvested respectfully from the vast sleeping umber of row 5-9. 
Mmm, smells divine. Okay, we've fully cooled our meat filling and gently encased it in our buttercream pie crust, and now it's resting over the coals. It's now part of the tradition that while the deceased clan member roasts to perfection, their closest loved ones gather around the hearth and on their knees, right foot folded over the left, square shoulders and head back. They chant themselves into a deep trance filled with memories of their loved ones and lives lost. This can take up to two hours, depending on the style of hearth or Magitech oven you utilize. So, if you'll pardon me... So we've got our perfectly golden-crusted Tiaganian funeral pie, stuffed to the brim with our recently departed, and a side of cauliflower mash using the bitter milk of the local Ibex from the Cliff Bounds Valley. Or in our case, some goat's milk from the Viximart. Just like all my entrees, I like to add a pat of butter to the top. And just to zest it all up, I'm adding some port reduction with shallots over the top, like a little brown river. The river of life that leads those from the place of their final breath to the edge of existence and if they're lucky, somewhere close to the start again. Thanks, y'all, for joining me. I'm ready to dig into these sacred remains, but I'll catch you real soon, next time on Close to the Hearth. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm a dwarven shield maiden of Remitex. I live to slay my foes and defend the Onyx Citadel. I shed the blood of orcs and goblins by the buckets on the battlefield. But sometimes the moon goddess shines her light on me and it becomes my time to bleed. Heavy combat, heavy armor, heavy floor. That's when I reach for Clan Pax Mithril. Twice the absorption, twice the durability. Clan Pax Mithril. Leave the bloodshed to your enemies. Hey, all you cuties. You wouldn't download a mid-roll. No, wait, you could. And should. That's a good thing. Thank you. It's still hot as baked balls around these parts, so the whole cast remains extremely grateful to all of the patrons who helped us to get an AC for our studio last year during the heat wave. It makes recording new episodes in the summer that much more possible, so pat yourself on the back if you help make that happen. You literally made it possible to keep recording episodes all year long. How can you get in on that feel-good deluge? Join the Patreon! 
There are so many tiers to choose from, and all of them have killer rewards. You want to expand your arsenal of D&D tools like maps, stat blocks, magic items, and more, or you want to hear bonus content and LUQ music, or you can even play with our form-fillable LUQ character sheets, there's something for everyone that is a D&D nerd that likes the show. Now is the time to give it a look. And of course, our highest tier patrons can make characters to join the battle axis and be mentioned in the show's meta, or have their names mentioned with their legendary mid-roll teams. The current legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's feature team, the Forgotten Legacy, with Wagon, Insanity, John Reinhardt, and Daryl. Of course, to get a personal message on the show or for advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us on Twitch at Slapdash Streams. Monday night, Dana hosts live premieres of new LUQ episodes. Wednesdays and sometimes Thursdays, me and Zach do our cooperative Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocks. And there's a bunch of great penny plays on the calendar for the coming months, including me joining her and two friends to play Grand or as I call it, Honey, I Shrunk the Ark Survival Evolved, in this coming Thursday. It's going to be a blast. If you've been planning a trip to the Pacific Northwest, Rose City Comic Con is right around the corner, and the LUQ will be doing a live show at 10 a.m. on Saturday. So if you live here, get your tickets now, or if you're planning a trip, let us know. Maybe we can say hi or hang out or something. I don't know, it sounds cool. Try to stay cool, LUQties, you minty fresh goofballs. But that's enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. New from Critical Grits, an all-new power meal to help you gulp and go. Thick with potassium, calcium, and loads of protein. It's like if oatmeal, soup, cheese, and beer had a messed up flavor baby. Get yourself a can of Power Curd Swill. This thick white sludge has all the creamy rich matter you need to satisfy your hunger and bulk your gains. Power Curd Swill is the new superfood that can be choked down easy with all the nutritional power of cheese and alcohol. It comes in amazing action-packed flavors like Strawberry Barbecue, Squid Ink Benedict, Mint Haddock, Bubblegum Oregano, Hot Dog Molasses, Cranberry Wonton, Anise Pot Pie, and Cheddar Berry Fajita. Power Curd Swill is thick enough to clog a toilet, but edible enough to fuel your fighting spirit. Don't settle for solids. Get your gulp on with Critical Grits, Power Curd Swill. Critical Grits! Merovec, the one known as the Cartographer, holds two objects of power with great resonance to himself, and he seems to be taking a hostile stance, suspecting that you might intend him harm. Look of sadness washes over Alvis's face says, we do not wish you or these people harm in any way. How I wish that were true. But you say things that are not, not within the realm of my knowing. And there are few things not within my knowing. You have said many things to me that are outside of my realm of knowing as well. But I am enlightened by this. I am excited by this. We spoke earlier of the patterns of this land being like a river. And that you're seeking what would be the ocean. Would not the concept of a distant world be like that of the river to an ocean? How vast and infinite it is? You have to understand my issue here is not with the idea of another world, but rather that what those people from another world might intend to do. You see, I believe that there's something coming into this place, this specific village, that is harmful, and I suspect that the skeptic has something to do with it. And I do not know if you intend to damage him, us, the church, You have to understand how strange you are to me. 
a scion with so many followers, with so much power, that I can simply feel just by looking at you. None of this is ordinary. I am not like most in this world. I do ask my questions. I can tell. And I appreciate it for what it's worth. You're more easy to speak to than many we've met. Uh, To be clear, uh, many of the things that we do are done as a guiding hand pointing us in a direction. And some questions we may have don't have answers, but we would be happy to help whatever's harming this village if it's in our grasp. I do not know that it harms the village, but I do know that things like this, he points to your book, specifically at the dagger, I do know that this is not something that the skeptics could do yesterday. Certainly, yes. Times past, this was not a thing they had. And someone is bringing power into this world that was not here before. And you think that the the priest at this church here, you think they have something to do with it? No, no. They are good people. Oh. But there are other skeptics. The extreme skeptics, like you call them. You have to understand that a skeptic is just one kind of thing in the old church. And they call themselves this. These people truly are just old church worshippers. But they worship the real version of the old church. When I say skeptic... I mean them. Does this church have its own scion, or is it just you when you wander through? Their scion was taken from them. By a wraith. He looks at Gaspar. Yes. Yeah, they mention that. In truth, I fear the pale bastion almost as much as I fear the skeptics. For all their pretensions to neutrality, he gives you a harder look. There are those, myself included, who say that no choice is choice enough. And perhaps in the long dusk that awaits past the far horizon, they will lay vindicated in their graves. But I would not go peaceably into that dark. No. Better to fight to the last, I think. All journeys end in the grave. Better to take the longer path. I don't know. We met the Death Silbrant. He seemed rather pleasant, actually. But we also gazed beyond the Lich Gate, and that is not a place we ever want to go. No. I suppose my last question would be... How can we help you? There is little I need that you can provide. I appreciate your offer. But what about these people? Not you personally. They are well. I do not think they need anything from you. But, if what I suspect is true, that the skeptic of this land is doing some harm, well, I suppose it is fate then. Would you be able to point us towards that... um fringe uh, maniac you were saying lived near here? You use harsh words. He is only confused. He would come through here soon, I imagine. He tends to make the rounds once a day, I think. How do you think he'd react to seeing all of us? Badly. And how would you have us confront him? Not. You say you want to help, but I do not think anything you would want to do would help. Perhaps, in the end, what you must do is exactly as the death celebrants do. Nothing. Never been a big fan of doing nothing. In our field of work, being a spectator is quite the opposite of the intent. Well, I cannot tell you what to do. But if you intend to come in here and do damage to these people by harming the skeptic that watch their lands, the church, as they do their works, I cannot allow that. I'm going to take the glasses off of my necklace and gesture them to him. Say, place these on your eyes, and see me as I am. He closes the sextant, reaches it out, and swaps the glasses for them. I'll hold it with reverence. 
He puts them on and looks at you. He says a little prayer, touches his head, holds out his hand that has the compass still in it. The magic in this is weak for me. It is not my place. But I see what you intend. And I see you as a good man. I return a sextant. As you realize that it's in your hand and think to return it, you can feel a pulsating urge forward. Hmm. Almost like something driving you. Before I hand it back, can I kind of lock that direction into my head? Give me an uh, religion charisma check. Religion charisma? Mm-hmm. Gadzooks. Making up skills. No, I'm not. I know. Rules as written. You can use any ability. A natural 20. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Haven't had one of those in a minute. At first, you try to think your way through it. But when you realize that the thing in your hand isn't a tool to be used, but a person to be communicated with, suddenly it seems to blossom inside of you. And all around, you can literally feel the pathways. Large ones driving through a center of the town, moving on and on and on. You can almost feel as it curves and twists. You can sense as it jumps over and through rivers, past mountains, and ends in something terrifying. And behind you, it reaches out infinitely into something that you know to be unknown. And somewhere in the ether around you, all around you, you can feel something not unlike home. And then it winks out. This is... This is eye-opening. I hand it back. You say mine is weak magic. This is strong magic to me. I would lose my mind if I held that for too long. No, no, no. You do not understand. It is not weak. I am weak. I can feel the power, but I cannot touch it. I fear the power. Rubbing my eyes. Too much at once, perhaps. Uh, You should sit down. Thank you for sharing with me your intention. And your tenet. And me yours. I am delighted by it. I wish everyone at Era had such candor as you. Such an open mind. There are few of us left. True science. Many have stopped. Others have died. But most, the good ones, the truly good ones, we still wander. And some seek to end us. Yes, some do. Oh. Well, I'm still very confused as to why we've been brought here, but we've gained more information now than we have in many previous trips. I suspect that the ways bring us all together for a reason. They call it fate, but I do feel it is a road, a journey. And if your journey brought you here, it's for a reason. All I ask is that you do no harm to he who would come here. Just observe, right? Right. I must go. I am done with this area. I have learned what I can from it. Hopefully, in time, our path will cross again. And we might wander the ways a while. <sighs> we were blessed in your cantaloupes. He smiles at you. <laughs> Give him your number. <laughs> Next time you're in outer space, he'll look me up. No, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out a very small piece of leather, a tiny strap and one of my quill pens and say, would you do me the honor of writing your name on this? Sure. He takes it, 
first he writes in a language you don't recognize. Then he writes in a language you do, cartographer. I'll uh, take it and cinch off the end and clip it to one of the bells around my neck. Ah, oh, I like it. Names are powerful things. So are bells. I say looking to the church, I'm quite certain. The road is long and I have far to go. But students of the earth are never lost. He taps his heart. Blessed in your continuance, brother. If we don't meet again, I'll be disappointed. Well, if I see you wandering the ways, I may stop by. Just keep in mind, if you ever find that ocean, you'd better learn to swim. Ha! <laughs> I will. He continues walking, his books clattering together as he does so. He raises a hand in goodbye and walks into the horizon. As he does so, your eyes are drawn to the opposite direction. You see Harcourt approaching at a far distance. This motherfucker. Wish he'd just come clean. <laughs> Before he gets too close, I'm going to lean in. You think he's the person everyone here's got a problem with? Could be part of it. All right. I must admit, I find this all rather confusing. You're telling me. As you're speaking, you see the woman who spoke to you earlier running up to you. You have to get out of here as quickly as you can, please. Uh, where do we go? I, I didn't... Oh, oh you, there's no way to go. Uh, in here, in here. She gestures to one of the houses. It seems to be a small hut. I'll just follow her. What are we running from? Not running. Just not being seen. She closes the door, and there's a window into this town square. Behind you, you hear kind of a muffled rustling, and you see that there is an old, old man sitting there. He has many, many, many tentacles coming out of his head, all just kind of wild and tangled, some of them even gently curling and turning. I think maybe we should uh, blend in for whatever's happening here. What are you doing? We were brought here to hide from something. Oh, hey, hurry. Hang out here as long as you like do you think she was hiding us from the captain? It certainly seemed like that, but I got the impression we shouldn't be seen, at least not like this, and I would like to slip my ring back on and try and look like a local. Woody, what you doing? Did he do that? You're not supposed to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Oh, uh, I'm doing it through him. Hey, so you my jack. Hurry. I'll be used to that. Be at, be at peace. Hey. I can be at peace. Uh, through faith and reason, eh? Through faith and reason. You hear heavy boot falls outside the door in the center of town. We don't have enough rings to make all of us look like the locals. Then again, even with my spell, I don't know how well we can make Gaspar fit in. I'll just stay in the shadows. He is pretty good at not being spotted. That's absolutely a good idea. Let us do our best with the rings. I quickly slip my ring on. I'll flip my eye patch back down. No, no, the full uh, looking at the old man. Do that. Color? Tentacles for her. Oh, I'm excited oh, to have some jelly, tentacles. Jelly skin. Oh, Wiggly. Wiggly. Death for coin. And how are you? Death for coin. Do you have what we ask for? I'm going to peer out the hole. Actually, I'm going to hold Opus up to the hole. <laughs> <laughs> to see the skeptic is to look upon a demon. On his face, a leather mask depicting a terrible monster whose eyes are pulled into a mockery of both sorrow and glee. 
Over his body, splinted armor of wood and hardened, blood-red leather. He wears no boots, only leather soles bound to his feet with rope, which climbs up to his greaves and holds them in place. Atop his head is a red leather helm with a flared base, crested with the symbol of the skeptic. I do. Do you? The skeptic nods, sets down a bag which clanks loudly. The captain opens the bag, pulls out a blade, bloodied, with the symbol of the skeptic on it. He puts the blade back in the bag, pulls out a small sack that glows in his hand, and you recognize the sound of the jingling as quintessence. He lays the coin into his hand. The skeptic turns without another word and returns to the road. Harcourt lets out a sigh. You're clear. Wuxia will go to, like, open the door and step out of the little house we're in. We all look like tentacle people now. That's not necessary. We thought it was at the time. I appreciate the precaution. What was the meaning of this interaction? You have to understand, I just suspected they were magic items. To be sold to my employer, and that is all. I believed I was trading Quinn to normal people for normal weapons. You have to believe me. When I heard what was done to you, I knew I had to do something. So I reached out to the commissioner, and here we are. I can only apologize. The pinpoints of green fade from the centers of Penn's pupils. Is you showing us this some kind of penance for the crimes you've done? Only documentation. The intent is that I might not be prosecuted. After all, death is not something I'm looking forward to. What exactly is your arrangement here? Were you paying him for murdering someone? Because one of those knives had blood all over it. I do not know why, but they always come bloodied. It's not reassuring. Might be part of the ritual to make them magical. Who knows? Or a test. I am no wizard. All I can do is tell you that, as far as I'm concerned, I'm done with this job. And I am happy to leave these wherever. Who's your employer? I wish I knew. It's just one knife in a bag, or is it multiples? There's about, there's knife, axe, daggers, swords, all sorts of weapons. Do they all have the symbol? Yes. I'll pick it up, the bag. These need to be studied. Penn stands as far away from it as possible. I suppose you should bring them back to your master, and I shall get you there. We best return. Wait a moment, wait a moment. Shouldn't we go track down what's bringing the weapons in here, find where they're coming from, and bash them good? Maybe we can cut this off at the source. I'd like to see him go down. We don't have that kind of right yet. This is their world, not ours. I also have no reason to believe that he is the only one. For all I know, many other people might be doing the same job. You put me in a real awkward position, Captain. Real, real awkward indeed. Don't I know it? You have to understand when I found out that you had joined the Fallow Crown, and after everything, it was the perfect opportunity for me. I am, after all, well. He taps one of his hand-embroidered symbols, and it says, Avarice. Suppose you're right. Doesn't feel good having to go back and tell folk what I saw here, seeing as how much you've helped me out in the past. 
Wuxia, when we go back, we're not telling folk what we saw here. Well, the commissioner, I mean, right? Save for the rain and the commissioner. That's the folk I'm worried about. Gaspar, um, I know you know a little bit more about quintessence than I do. Uh, if you were a fanatical death cult that was producing plural slaying weapons and selling them to extraplanar creatures, what might you be able to do with a bag full of quintessence? Hmm. So, judging by their reactions to magic and how they do not have access to it, the lack of uh, extraplanar beings like celestials and fae, things that would normally be able to manifest or harvest quintessence that way. It is my theory that they don't have a good quantity of it, but are very efficient. So you ask me what they can do with that sort of power. Anything. It takes you some time to get back to the ship. The crew waits, heads down, no questions asked, though there are some who eye the four of you with great intensity. Gaspar, you mount Miasma and begin to follow the Astrofortis. As error shrinks below you, insofar as an infinite plane can shrink at all, your eyes turn back to the void, and as they take it in, a gash begins to open, as though a wound in the surface of reality. Beneath the abyss is light, glorious and amber. Flesh parts to reveal a radiant fire opal, in whose contours galaxies burst and whirl in cosmic ballet, you stand in awe of divinity laid bare. That you will die is no longer in question. Only how that death might be in service to so resplendent a being. The gaze of the Leviathan is upon you. True to their name, the transient exiles find themselves 86th from another pocket dimension for accidentally beating their god in a game of checkers. Is there any game to better test the wit and strategy of two powerhouses like checkers? Some are red, some are black, moving diagonally? It's like some kind of genius homework puzzle. Yes, Dirk, I dare say there are a great many games of wit better suited for a collision of brilliant minds. Namvumboden is quite popular in the Epsilon Tetra region which utilizes tiny bone pieces that each have six names that awaken as they get threaded across the board of fine fibers. And each turn must be made with divisions of one unit of measurement amongst all the pieces. It's not uncommon for players to trade sides mid-game. It's truly a brilliant representation of not only planning ahead, but adapting to change and building defenses in real time. Yeah, cool, bone strings. Hey, how about that game where you both hold out your hands flat and try to slap the other one real, real fast? Is that a human game? I honestly thought that was just something young foolish dwarves did to toughen up their knuckles. Oh yeah, I used to play it all the time. Me and Bucket Bill, Arnie the Armoire, Uncle Ottoman. They weren't very fast, but they had unflinching defenses. Those fine lads busted many a baby Bradley knuckle. Sweet memories. <sighs> with one hand he pulls at my sanity and with the other he feeds me pity. What's that, Russ? Nothing, nothing. Say, why don't you read us out today? Me? Read, read. Us? Out. That is the entire statement, yes. Turn the prompter up to 11. It's time for Brad to... read. 
Join us in the next time future. Tomorrow. When we get the juicy deets. Current report. From the M&M's blood wizards. Metal and mana's aura healers. And learn from the big guy what's sculling Meathead's noggin. A diagnostic from Zan Meathead's onorhinolaryngologist. You keep saying what I just said. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Is there an echo in here? Come on. The speed at which your brain translates logic into pure nonsense is absolutely staggering. My head spins. Better talk to your autorhinolaryngologist then, huh? What? What? Big boy's coming. <laughs> oh, my boy's God. Coming. What's the opposite of favorite moment of the game? <laughs> <laughs> this is my dread second. <laughs> <laughs> Hal's wanted to fight a Leviathan since, like, episode six. <laughs> yep. I'm so ready to get big Sky Whale punching with all you motherfuckers. And I am probably still not high enough level to do it. <laughs> you know, I... it's not the first Sky God we fought. We'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys fair warning. There are mechanics in this Leviathan that you are going to hate. Sweet. I am very sorry. They make <laughs> sense, and believe me. It will make sense by the end. That's all right. Worst case scenario, we TPK in the show. <laughs> has Wait. to move to a third season. Are you going to bust out a metronome and turn this into a rhythm game? <laughs> oh, I'm so ready. Oh, my God, no. You're, you you have to sing your sea shanty to battle it. Yes! <laughs> but you have to make up new verses. You yes. only roll your die on the beat. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go around the table. Anybody have a favorite moment here? Uh, Shoot. Uh, Why am I always first? Because you're to my left. I know. Dibs on cartographer. He yeah, was yeah, a pretty yeah, cool yeah. NPC. Nope. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Angelo? What was our what was our starting? Here? Yeah, I was just gonna say, when did this episode start? Honestly, I feel like that's a really good sign when the first half is forgotten because the second half is so engaging. Yeah, you're really like, oh. I also forgot. I bled into the the previous episode. It was when we landed, Yeah, right? the first half is like when we started yeah. landing here, when we started interacting with things. Uh, uh, you found, Angelo, you found your spot to hide my So asthma. I think everybody's oh, yeah, favorite yeah. woman is the cartographer. That is I, think, that yeah. I, I have a different specifically favorite. He's 90% but. of the episode, so. Like all of the conversation was illuminating. This is some of the best conversation we've had on air. You're not. All right. My highlight is the line going, our death is pretty much, you know, no longer in question. Just how we can serve this Leviathan. It's a good way to foreshadow the next episode. Thank you. You know, it's a good seed of dread. I liked the cartographer's poetry. Oh, thank you. Don't talk about Take his name out your goddamn mouth. <laughs> Did he lost the law and lonely? Was he, he was he was he was talking about not going gently into the night, and then there was oh, there was a little bit. There was almost a you know the the road is weary, long and but type. Uh, there were some. I felt like they were references to. They were not intended to be explicit references, except you know going quietly into the night. Okay, but, yeah. Michael, you're not Angelo. No, it's true. <laughs> We're one Ninja Turtle. I appreciate <laughs> Angelo by one seat. It's just the Wild West out here right now. We're just going whenever, whoever. Speaking of the Wild West, Dana. Oh, shit. Oh, man. I'm uh, not Angelo. I, I, <laughs> oh, my God. I really like. I really liked uh, Wusha and Penny's little bonding moment there. Yeah. He was getting all like out of sorts. And Penny is just like, fucking chill the fuck out. There's, you, you, there's a lot more going on here than you know. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was good. I like that. That's fair. And like props to Wusha first time on air. 
Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's true. He has no idea what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, like it, 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 the whole episode was conversation, so it's hard to say I like the conversation. But I mean, that's that's it. This was was really good stuff to chew on. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, when the captain at the end there was like, you know, I know I'll die someday. I just like it didn't fit with my character, but I just want to be like, eh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but no, it sucked. It freaking sucked, my guy. Yeah. Uh, just having an NPC finally who is intelligent on error, who is willing to speak open-mindedly yeah. and illuminate questions, understanding that we're more than we seem. Yeah, the uh, I kind of wanted to convey that error is full of people who are so superstitious that even talking about things scares them. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that you have to find a scion whose whole thing is not being superstitious. Oh, that's fair. I also, I really liked Law, your your scene with the glasses. That Beautiful. was very clever, and I considered taking off the Ring of the Hidden Mind. Oh. Mm. You actually did. That gave me the perfect opportunity to give a little taste of some stuff there that I'm very happy about. I will say uh, my DM's pet for this episode, which I'm going to try and do from now on, is definitely Law. Just fucking out there with the questions, like rocking some beautiful stuff. Very well done. That was the most questions we've ever asked someone from Error, in addition to probably the most one of the most forthcoming NPCs. Yeah. The the celebrant was pretty forthcoming yeah. too. But he yeah, he's also a character who is is not superstitious by nature. And right. that's like the key is find somebody who's like capable of putting I know, Ooh, I know what? y'all wanted to be like subtle, but I'm like, I can figure out what you're talking about. He can figure out what you're talking <laughs> like if you're like other worlds and then another person talks about other worlds and he's gonna be like hmm am I so dumb that I'm not gonna figure this out? <laughs> no, I actually really liked that. You know I can put two and two together. I was, I was about to get back to it with that no, river totally. ocean analogy. No, I love that. You're like, hey, you might find it someday and you'll see some fucking shit. <laughs> I also imagine when he's saying, you know, two plus two equals four, like all the eight intelligence characters in the party, like counting on their fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Perfect. <laughs> how, uh, many, how many of us are there? Yo. Oh, yeah, I have, I have eight intelligence. Uh, Penelope had eight, but Pen... 10. Ten. Ten's a 10. Ten Tennyson. <laughs> my favorite line from um, from my side is specifically, uh, me thinks he's gone so far west, he's come back east. That was a good mm-hmm. one. And I'm like, I just, I liked that. And I wanted to make sure that all of his language had something to do with cartographies and directions. I did like that. I also liked that it made perfect sense to Hal. Yeah. Especially on <laughs> Error. Hal's just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It, it's funny. There's so many nuggets about the world of error in this that nobody will understand because I'm the only one who knows anything. So I'm just <laughs> like, no one's ever going to know or care about any of what I just wrote. <laughs> it was really hard for Wuxia not to start like answering questions about the ocean, which is definitely not in his character. <laughs> I appreciate as many of you trying to make sure you ask questions in character. It's hard to do. And honestly, it made the game. Some of those questions were really important and very valuable. So thank you for that. Support Slapdash on Patreon. And one day you may get Zach's notes on air <laughs> after the season ends. Yeah, maybe. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming in here today. I want to thank Hedegar the editor for editing this episode. I think that's about it. So until next time, we wish you luck. Go luck yourself. <laughs>